Hey, I'm Debbie. And thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So I love that last song. How many of you love that last song? And yeah, ain't that the truth? Man, it was so good to worship with you this morning and really get our hearts reflecting on the goodness of God, right? Man, I tell you what, it's always exciting for me when we get together, we gather together, and we get to sing praises to our awesome Lord Jesus, right? It's something that we can get excited about. You guys don't see it. I, I behave myself when I'm standing here in the front. But in the back, I'm moving around like crazy, man. It's good. It's good. So I'm glad you're here this morning. Before we get into the message, I kind of want to give you an update on our power of three. And many of you may not know what the power of three is or what it's about. Uh, so I kind of want to give you some background on that and where we're at and what we're looking forward to doing here at Flushing. Just real quick, not a lot of time. Uh, but if, you, if you're familiar, we have done a power of three project here in Flushing, which was the update in the lobby. And many of you have seen that update happen uh, the coffee bar, and we're so grateful for your generosity in that. Uh, the next project that we want to do is update some of the lighting in this auditorium and do some stage upgrades for our band uh, to help everything flow. We're growing, which is exciting, and we're seeing more band members uh, come on the stage, and so we want to try to update the, the stage for that. But Power of Three came from a man named Daniel. This is a, the, the background. If you've never heard this, I want to share this with you. Daniel was an inmate in Marion, Ohio, about 2019, the River Church received a check of $3 by, by this man. And he continued to give $3. Now, $3 to us probably isn't a lot. I'm just going to be, I mean, we, $3, okay, cool, I can give 3 bucks. But for this man, if I, and I looked this up recently, the statistics for uh, the wages that an incarcerated person makes in prison is anywhere from 10 cents an hour to, I mean, at the very highest scale, a dollar something an hour. So for Daniel, this was a commitment because he had been impacted. We as a church would go into the prisons in Ohio, and he was impacted, and he believed in the gospel, he was affected by the gospel, and he wanted to see the ministry of the gospel continue. Now listen, it's not about the money, but as the church, as the elders, they were so moved by this man's generosity that we started the power of three. We wanted to see his three dollars multiply and be used in a way that would glorify and honor 
God. And that's the power of three projects. So you're going to see some signs. You may see some literature in the coming months about this project that we're trying to get together for the church. But I would ask you as a church, as a church, consider how God might move you and how he might ask you to um, participate in that and be involved with that. So I just want to give you an update on that. And so grateful for the, again, the generosity of people that helped make our last Power of Three project come through. So we're excited about that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We've been walking through Paul's thank you letter to the church in Philippians. And in this thank you letter, I mean, it's amazing to me the amount of instructions and theology in a thank you letter, right? Like I think of when I write a thank you card, I'm not putting all that theology in there. I'm not putting all of those amazing instructions for our life in a thank you note. But Paul did. He's smart like that. And so we have the ability to look at that and explain it for ourselves and look at it and to apply to ourselves how we can be impacted by what Paul is teaching. And of course, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, we've been walking through our mission as the church. Why we do what we do. Why are we here? What is it that we're after? What are we trying to accomplish? And of course, Paul, in the very first chapter, he makes the biggest priority, which is the gospel the main thing, right? We go, we get together, we gather together to reach the lost. We get this from uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And in that teaching, Paul teaches us that, hey, listen, the gospel is super important. It's something that we need to partner with or participate, as actually the word he uses, to participate in the sharing of the gospel. And as believers, this is so important for us to make sure we make this a priority in our life, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, we got to make sure the gospel is the main thing for us, that that's what we're motivated by. That's what we're doing when we share the love of Jesus to people, the strangers, the people we may not even know. But Paul continues and says, hey, you also have to be bold with the gospel, bold in your family, bold in the community that you uh, live in, bold in the community that you work with, that the gospel is an important thing that we need to be bold. And Paul, he's in prison. If you're familiar with the backdrop here, he's in prison. He's like, listen. It's a good thing that I went to prison. It's a good thing that I suffered for the sake of the gospel because now people are talking about Jesus here in the prison. It's great. It's good. Even though it might not be where he, he would have ideally, I mean, it's no holiday in, right? Paul also said we got to live the gospel. Live your life in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. That our actions should match what our words say, in other words. That we can't fake it with our mouth and act totally different. Paul was like, hey, you got to live the gospel out in every way, shape, and form. Then he walks through in chapter 2 the aspect of gathering, right? Like when we get together as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, when we get together, he, he teaches us in chapter 2 that we are to have this mind of Christ, this, this heart of humility, that we actually care for one another and we esteem others more important than ourselves. Now that's easier said than done, all right? I know that. <laughs> but Paul says, man, this is, this is the walk of a mature believer. As a mature believer, this is the mind that you are to have, this mind of Christ, where you, you make other people more important than yourself. You walk in humility. Not only does he tell us in chapter 2 to have the mind of Christ, but he says to make sure when you gather together and when you worship, Christ is, in fact, your priority. That he's the most important name that we worship. 
It ain't about the building. It ain't about the pastor. It's not about the deacons. It's not about the growth community leaders. When we get together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are prioritizing the name of Jesus. Right? That's who we're worshiping. We're not worshiping the band. and they're, I mean, though they're good and they do great, we're not worshiping them. We're worshiping Jesus. And that's what Paul tells us to keep our focus on as we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Last week we looked at grow, right? What it means to be a mature believer. What it, the priority is for a mature believer. And Paul teaches us at the very first part of uh, Philippians chapter 3, he teaches us this aspect that we have to prioritize our time with God. That it's so important. There's nothing more valuable as you look at Paul's words. Listen, he was a man that was set to be somebody. And he's like, man, I could be somebody, and if I don't have Jesus, I got nothing. And he prioritized Jesus. He says, listen, as believers, as mature believers, we need to understand that time with Jesus is so, so important. This is this aspect of growing. And when we talk about grow, we're talking about growing our relationship with Jesus, right? We don't all start, start at the, uh, I guess you would say, we don't start really close with Jesus necessarily. He's kind, he cares for us, he loves us, but man, we've got some rough edges, right? Just like any relationship. And so we, we start to walk in that relationship and Paul is telling us and teaching us, hey, there's going to be some things you got to work out as you grow closer to the Lord. It's okay. I love that he says this in Philippians 3, that I'm not perfect yet. Here's Paul, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. I haven't attained perfection yet. And I love that because it makes it's just something I can so deeply relate with, and I'm pretty sure everybody else in this room can relate with, right? Am I wrong? Don't leave me hanging here, church. It's true, right? Like, man, this is, we haven't attained perfection yet, but we forget what lies behind and we press towards what lies ahead. This is it, Philippians chapter 3, I believe it starts in verse 12, you can look it up and, and read that. So we're going to conclude this series, today will be, uh, we're going to start another series next week as it pertains to the family, it'll be all about the family in February, we're going to walk through the book of Ruth, but today I'm going to conclude with Paul's final greeting in Philippians chapter 4. Again, remember this is a thank you letter, so he's, he's showing gratitude to the church that has supported him through his ministry. So let's read the text and we'll talk about how it applies to us. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Paul says this. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. I've learned the secret of abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, he says, and you, the church of Philippians, the people in Philippians, or the, the city of Philippi, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, 
When Paul began to preach, when Paul began to do his ministry at the very beginning, when I left Macedonia, that's a region, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Once and again means it was more than one time. It was not a one-off thing. And as he continues, he says, not that I seek the gift. Again, it's not about the amount. It's not about the gift. That's not what his passion is rooted in and as he's thanking them for this. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God, listen to this confidence, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, oftentimes we might think this in terms of money. But today as we walk through this, I want you to see this bigger than financial need. When Paul says, hey, I have a God. I've got somebody that can meet every single one of your needs. It's not just about money. And maybe money is a factor. But listen, he's also talking about our spiritual need. Maybe our emotional needs. Our physical needs. Hey, he's saying, listen, I've got the confidence. I know where the answer is. My God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And to the church, he's just reiterating this to affirm, hey, we do what we do. We share, we, we give, we, we serve others, one another. We do this to the glory, to our, glory or to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever Amen. So let's pray, and we're just going to break this down real quickly and see how it can apply to us and kind of take a look at what Paul is again teaching in his thank you letter to this church for their generosity in his ministry. So let's pray and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful that you are present with us this morning. Lord, that your spirit is in this room. Lord, we need you in every way. We need you this morning as we lift up your praise and worship to you. Lord, we need you as we open your word to lead us and to guide us. Lord, we need your spirit to convict us where we need to be convicted. And Lord, to encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Lord, we are so grateful that we have a God like you. That we can come to with all of our needs, all of our concerns, all of our burdens. And you are there to hear them and to carry them for us. Lord, we, we just ask that you be with us this morning again. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. As I look at this text, and as I start to work through it in my own mind as I was preparing for this message, I, I see Paul kind of breaking down this text in a couple of categories. The first one is the authentic, genuine concern these mature believers in Philippi had. You see this right off the bat in verse 10. Paul says, listen, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length, intentionally they were very intentional about how they could serve their concern for paul he says that in the very next you have re, you have revived your concern for me it wasn't like they they were concerned for paul and then they forgot about him and then they came back and like oh yeah we got paul we got to take care of paul 
Paul says that very clear in the next passage. He says, listen, it's, it's not that indeed you were indeed concerned for me, but you did not have the opportunity or you had no opportunity to fulfill that need or that concern. You know, as we look at this church in Philippi, I am very convinced that these were some very mature believers. Paul commends them on the mission that they are doing all through this letter. And here he is, he is reiterating their, their, his gratitude for their mature behavior and the, the focus that they have in being genuinely, I want you to hear this, genuinely concerned for the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now we could say this, well, yeah, of course, Paul's saying thank you. He, he's the one that was supported. Of course he's going to say that. I want to show you something that as I was studying this, that's pretty profound. I asked the tech team to throw a picture up here, uh, and they'll put it up here in a minute. This picture has to do with uh, where we're talking about geographically. Oh, it disappeared on me. If you, when it gets up, there it is. So you see right in the middle is the city of Philippi. Maybe you can't, it's the one right in the middle at the top, right in the region of Macedonia. I want to show you how intentional these people were, the, the church of Philippi were, with believers around their region. In verse 15 of the passage we just read, we see that Paul tells them, hey, listen, you guys were, were concerned for me, you didn't have the opportunity, but now that opportunity has come. When Paul's writing that, he's in the city of Rome. So if you go back to that image, Rome is all the way on the other side, on the far left at the top, just above Italy. The church in Philippi was a part of supporting the churches in Thessalonica, as well as the city in Corinth, as well as the church in Rome. I'm going to show you that in Scripture, and so that might not be up there for the whole time, but geographically, when you see this, you're going to see that these, this church in Philippi was very intentional in their concern for their brothers and sisters. You see this in the very text that we read when Paul says, hey, listen, at the very beginning, you were the ones that partnered with me in giving and receiving. And just after that, in verse 16, it says this, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Now, I want you to take a second and think and consider how intentional this church was in their giving and supporting of not just Paul, but the churches in these cities. I was thinking about this. In their day and age, they didn't have cash app. There was no ACH. They didn't just wire money. It took effort. It was commodity. So as gatherings, they would have gathered together and said, hey, man, maybe this was a, I'm a farmer. Let's just pretend, right? Uh, and I have some wheat or some flour. And I'm like, hey, I want this to go to support Paul or the church in Thessalonica. Well, they may have taken that flour for the sake of feeding and, and helping the, the community there or for helping Paul, but what most likely took place is they would have gone to the market, sold it, and exchanged it for some form of coin or commodity that they could easily travel with. It takes work and effort. And then, and then, this is the part that's really important, I think, as we understand this, in their intentionality as they were supporting the ministry of Paul. They would have had to select somebody from their congregation to say, okay, I, here it is, go deliver it to Paul. Now, looking on the map, everything looks pretty close. 
Thessalonica is the equivalent. I did this as the crow flies with Google Maps. I did this and tried to figure out. I actually went to this region on Google Maps to figure out how far apart these cities were. And to try to put it in reference so we can understand it, if we were to do something similar like the church in Philippi and wanted to support Paul in the city of Thessalonica, it would be like us traveling from here in Flushing to Monroe, Michigan. Now, they didn't have uh, taxis. They didn't have cars. They couldn't Uber somebody to pick them up and take them there. They had to either walk or, or get a, a, a donkey and a, a cart or a horse. And that was their means of travel. And it took significant amount of time to travel that distance. And just imagine how long you think it would take if you left today to walk to Monroe. Now, maybe we could do it in a day. I mean, that's a lot of running. I don't see anybody saying yes. Everybody's shaking their head no. <laughs> yeah, maybe three days, right? Or a week. Now, that's great because that's close to the city. of. And we might say, okay, yeah, that's reasonable. But I want to share some scriptures with you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the city of Corinth, this is another church where Paul was ministering and working. We see some incredible things written real quickly by Paul. He says, and when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. And he's talking to the church in Corinth. But look at this. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. Wow. What do we see here? The, the, the brothers from Macedonia most likely is the brothers from Philippi. Now, now Corinth, if you go back to that map and you look at that map in Corinth, that's the equivalent of somebody traveling from Flushing to the, just beyond the city of Chicago. Who wants to volunteer to walk that far? Right? Like, no one's doing that. It's way too complicated. It's too hard. Man, so their giving I just is very intentional. They were intentional in their, their, their sacrifice and their concern for their brother. We're not even talking about the logistical complications, right? Like imagine walking into the city of Chicago trying to find a guy named Paul. Just try to imagine that in your head. I mean, if you're the guy that was selected, that's probably like, have you heard this guy talking about Jesus? Oh, no, you haven't? Do you want to know about Jesus? <laughs> right? Like, I can just imagine how that may go. Or how do they even know he's in Corinth or Chicago, if you will, for our terms? I imagine this is how it transpired. They're at the market one day, and if you're familiar with the story of the church in Philippi, there was a lady named Lydia who sold uh, purple linen. There was a Philippian jailer that was, that was saved, right? And there was a woman who had a demon in her that was cast out. And so I imagine just as the story goes, maybe, maybe there was an inmate that was put into the jail, and they're like, man, dude, they're talking to the Philippian jailer. Man, there's this guy in Corinth that's talking about Jesus, and I, man, man they, I thought he was going to be in the jail with me. And the Philippian jailer, oh, you heard about a guy? What's his name? Oh, I think his name was Paul. He's talking about this Jesus somebody. Really? So you met Paul and he's in Corinth now? Sweet. So when he goes back to the church, he's like, hey guys, I heard Paul's in Corinth. One of the dudes that was in the, in the, in the jail, he was telling me about him meeting and talking about this guy. So now they got to figure out where he's at. He's not in Thessalonica anymore. He's in Corinth. 
somehow they communicated logistically. They didn't have text. They weren't calling each other and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Thessalonica now. Oh, nope, I'm going to Corinth now. They had to figure this stuff out. It was intentional. They thought about it. They were like, hey, where's Paul at? How can we find Paul? How can we go after where he's at? How can we bless the brothers and sisters in these cities? You even see this in Philippians chapter 2. When Paul is talking about the man that they sent when Paul is in Rome. Now, the distance from Philippi to Rome is about 620 miles. So that would be the equivalent of somebody traveling from Flushing, Michigan, just beyond Virginia Beach. Anybody want to take that walk anytime soon? <laughs> I was going to say, Virginia Beach, come on, guys. It's, it's the beach. I used to live in Greenville, South Carolina. It's closer. It's a 12-hour drive from here to just a little bit over 12, from here to Greenville, South Carolina, by car, going 70 to 80 miles an hour. 70. I keep the speed limit, right? <laughs> the point is this. It's quicker and it's a shorter distance for me to travel from here to Greenville than it would have been for somebody to travel from Philippi to the city of Rome. It took a lot of intentional concern and care for their brothers and sisters in Christ. It was authentic. It was genuine. It was real. It wasn't convenient. And they did it with joy. Listen to, listen to this in Philippians chapter 2 as Paul is speaking of this brother who comes, Epaphroditus, he says, I have thought it necessary to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my needs. For he was longing for you all, his, uh, for he, was, he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Maybe he was staying at a family's house and they sent some word to uh, where he lived in Philippi, that, hey, man, Epaphroditus isn't doing so great. He's sick. Verse 27, indeed, he was ill and even near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life. Risking his life. L listen, that's, we, we often think it was a nice travel from Philippi to Rome. But you've got wild beasts, you've got bandits, you've got thieves, you've got terrains, you've got seas. If you go back to that, they didn't just get to walk on land. They had to cross some oceans to get there. I'm telling you all this just to give you a picture to help you see. Listen, when we go back to this passage when Paul says in Philippians 4, you looked for the opportunity, for the genuine concern, the application for us is, hey, listen, who in the body of Christ is there that you should be concerned about? genuinely, authentically caring for somebody in the church. In this case, we see the ministry of Paul. They're also cared for the gospel. They were eager that in each one of those cities, the gospel would be proclaimed. They were confident that Paul would deliver the gospel. And they were intentional. And they were joyful in doing it. You see that right there in Philippians chapter 2. 
As Paul continues in this passage in Philippians 4, he gives us some secret sauce. How many of you have an old secret recipe that maybe one of your uh, grandmother or grandfather passed down to you? I think of like, yeah, see, we, there's people, like, I think of like barbecuing or cooking on the grill. There's like this secret sauce, is all I'll call it, secret sauce, that you put and you, you make, you, and it's like, man, you go and you taste it, you smell it, and you're like, oh, that's really good, what's the secret? And you're like, ah, sorry, it's my secret sauce, can't give it away, it's family secret sauce. Paul has this passage in here as he's talking about the secret to being content. And oftentimes when it comes to this giving and receiving that we talk about in the church, the word contentment is closely associated with it. Whether you have something to give or you don't have something to give. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor. The word contentment is what Paul tries to teach us. Is that There's a secret to being able to be content whether you have money or you don't have money. I want to show you what Paul is teaching us here in this passage. Verse 11 of Philippians 4. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. See, again, Paul's motive isn't about the money. For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, to have nothing, or to be very marginalized, you could even say. And I also know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret, and he's willing to share it. He's not being greedy, of facing, and I want you to see these next words. I have learned the secret of facing plenty, excuse me, and hunger. Facing plenty and hungering. See, Paul knows, he's like, man, I got, I got the secret, guys. Do you want it? How many of you would sit here, and if Paul was here and say, hey, guys, I've got the secret. I know how to do this. I know how to be content. How many of you would sit there and say, hey, Paul, teach me. I want to know because I struggle with it. I struggle with it. I would sit down there and like, Paul, teach me because I need to know how to be content. He says this very clearly in verse 13. Now, this is probably one of the most misused passages in the Christian circle. I just got to put this caveat in here. Philippians 4.13 is not about winning a basketball game or a Lions game. Go Lions, but I'm just saying, that's not what Philippians 13 is about, right? It's not about the sports team taking this verse and this is their anthem. I can do all things. I can beat the other team. No, no, that's, that's totally out of context. Look at what Paul says. Listen, I can do all things through him that is Christ who strengthens me. Whether I have plenty or I'm hungry. Now, Paul's not just talking out of the left side of his mouth. I was going to use a different verb there. Paul, Paul's not just saying these things to these people. I want you to understand this. When you look at 2 Corinthians, again, chapter 11, Paul is kind of frustrated with some teachers there in the city of Corinth. False teachers. And I want you to read what he says. This is kind of what I call Paul's spiritual resume to some degree. So Paul's not saying, hey, listen, I know the secret because I've never lived it and I have no clue what it's like to be in these positions. Paul's saying, hey, listen, and when you look at this passage in 2 Corinthians, he's saying, listen, I know what it takes to be content, whether I have food or I don't have food. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. 
Paul's so frustrated. He's like, I, I'm talking like a madman. I can't even believe I have to go here with you guys. It's kind of how I, I read it in my head. With a far greater labor, far more imprisonment, with countless beatings, and often near death. And then he goes in in verse 24, he starts talking about what he's experienced in his ministry. I mean, this is one of those things that you just read and you go, okay, Paul, Paul's legit. This guy knows what he's talking about. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, most likely to death or close to death. They thought he was dead and they took him and threw him with where they put the bodies, considering him to be dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, if you want to know how dangerous it was to travel in those days, this gives you a little bit of a picture. In danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. How many of you want to sign up for that job? <laughs> I'll take a hard pass. Right? You read that text and you're like, whoa. Paul knows how to abound with food, without food. He knows how to abound in his wealth when he has the financial needs. He also knows how to abound without. You go back to Philippians chapter 4 and he says, hey, listen, I've got the secret. Listen to what his words are. The secret is this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, Paul keeps pointing back to and is so confident, so confident in the promises of God. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Imagine that when you're hungry, when you're cold and you're exposed. He even talked about being out to sea for a day and a half, floating on a raft or a piece of wood or whatever, just sitting out in the seas. And his confidence, he's so confident in the person of Jesus, his promises, his words where he says, listen, you want to know how to be content? The answer's in Jesus. His strength. If God wants me to be there, he'll get me there. If God wants me to be in this situation or that situation, guess what? He'll get me there. I believe in him. That's the secret sauce that he shares, if you will, for being content is reliance on the promises of God. I'm with you. God's for you, not against you. Sometimes we forget that as believers. We forget that, hey, we've got a God that knows what we need. And I'm not just talking about financially. Again, I want to make this very clear. Sometimes this is a spiritual matter. He knows what we need spiritually. The next part of this passage is really profound for me. As Paul speaks in Philippians chapter 4, verse 14, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Again, we see that he was uh, partnering with this church, these mature believers in Philippians, being supported even Thessalonica, verse 16. But verse 17 is so profound. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. See, this is what Paul's heart is all about. He, he's not a money-grabbing preacher, if you will, which is often the reputations of preachers. 
Paul is here, and he's, he's shepherding these people, these mature believers. He's saying, hey, man, I'm so grateful for your contribution, your support to the ministry. And what I'm really excited about, what really gets me going, is the fact that you guys get to claim and participation of the gospel going to the cities of Corinth, to the cities of Thessalonica, to the cities of Rome. Without you, these things wouldn't have happened. I'm so excited that you, as a church, mature believers, get to partake in the gospel. That's what gets them excited. That's what he's motivated by. He says this, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. He's like, man, dude, I don't need anything. I'm good. God's taking care of me. And I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. He says, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When we look at what Paul is saying here, I think there's another passage in Hebrews that helps us kind of clearly see what Paul is trying to articulate to the church in Philippi. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says these words, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. That's the new Jerusalem. That's when Christ returns, the second coming. He comes with his kingdom and his city. Through him... Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praises to God. Paul speaks of the sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. What is the sacrifice of praises to God? He goes in and he says this. That is, and I want you to see this next part. It's so powerful. It's so profound. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. What is the fruit that Paul is excited that the church in Philippi gets to partake in? It's the gospel. I imagine there are people in Corinth, there are people in Thessalonica, there are people in Rome. Obviously they don't live to this day anymore, but they are in paradise and they're like thanking the body of believers in Philippi. Thank you for supporting this ministry. Thank you for, I came to know Jesus because you were concerned for me. Wow, this is what Paul is excited about for the body of believers in Philippi. And then Paul says this in verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now if you came here today, and all you hear is a message about giving, you've missed something. I've done a poor job. Because this message is not just about giving. One of the things that Paul talks about to the church in Philippi is this partnership of giving and receiving. Now there are some of you here that, that are in the position where you can give. You can genuinely care for other brothers and sisters in Christ and meet some needs in their life. But you might also be here or watching online and he's like, listen, Pastor John, like, dude, I'm broken. I'm broke. I got nothing. I got nothing to give. I got absolutely nothing to give, man. Listen, I don't want you to walk away from here thinking like you're, you're some kind of horrible wretch because you can't give. That's not at all what this passage is about that Paul is trying to encourage the church in Philippi. You see, there's this aspect of receiving as well. And I'm just going to be very honest. This is harder sometimes for me than it is to give. This aspect of receiving. 
It's way harder sometimes for me to receive the kindness and the generosity of some people than it is for me to give. Call it pride, call it ego, call it whatever you want. But there is an element here where there is a passage in Scripture that Paul is referencing here as he's talking about this, and he's, he's going back to this idea of the needs that we have as people. And the greatest need, the greatest need that we have as people is a spiritual need. And the most generous giver of all, the most generous giver of all is in fact the person of Christ. He came to this earth and he gave his literal life for the sake of me and for you. He didn't he didn't sit there and go, ah, you know, I don't really care about you. No, he thought about each. He was intentional. He was intentional in his thought as he approached the cross. He, I, just, I know for the fact, he was like, there's a guy, he's not on this earth yet, but his name's John Carter, and I'll take the cross for him. You can put your name in there. And you might sit here and say, man, I am so broke. Man, I'm broke spiritually. I'm broke mentally. I'm broke physically. I might even be broke financially. Listen, I'm here to tell you what Paul's trying to tell you here in verse 19 there. He says, I know a God that can supply all of your needs. And for those of us who have received that, man, we have something to be excited about. Do we not? He, he was the most generous giver of all. He's got a free gift, and it has your name on it. So if you're here today, and you find yourself in that position where you're like, man, John, I, I, I got nothing, man. That's okay. The reality is, I got nothing. I'm broken. And I needed to take the free gift of Jesus. I needed to take that generosity in my life. So that I could have that relationship with him. So that I could take hold of the promises that God has for me. That he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never abandon me. He's always got me. How many people need to hear that this morning? I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe it is financial. Maybe it's physical. But man, if you're here today and you are spiritually broken and you know it, I'm here to tell you there's an answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus, and I hope you take that free gift, that free gift that's so generously offered to you. And to the church, Paul gives us a lot of instructions in this letter. Man, as the church, we need to be genuinely, authentically, intentionally concerned about how we can support each other, one another. We need to be intentionally and genuinely concerned for how the gospel is being delivered. How the gospel, how you can partner in that and share that. Sharing of the trouble. Let us be a church that mimics and follows the example of the mature believers in Philippians, or in Philippi. We're going to close in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the band to come up here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, again, for your word, for your instructions, for your teaching. Lord, we know it's not just about money. Lord, we know that what you pleases you is our heart, our intentional 
seeking out how we can care for one another. Lord, you know and we know that you care about our heart of joy, as even Kathy read this morning, and that we are joyful in caring for one another. And Lord, that we will sacrifice maybe something that maybe doesn't really matter that much. But we are willing to sacrifice that for the sake of the gospel. I love how Paul encourages and shepherds the people here in Philippi and encourages them for comforting. He encourages them in their encouragement towards him. And he encourages them in their participation in the gospel. Lord, be with us. Help us. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Lead us where we need leading. Again, comfort us and encourage us where we need that comfort and encouragement. Lord, if there's anybody here, anybody here that doesn't know you, anybody here that has not received that generous free gift of your love, Lord, I just pray right now in their heart that they would call out to you. Lord, I pray that they would know your goodness. Lord, I pray they would know your strength and your word. They would know your promise that you care for them. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.